You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. After 11 this morning, what a great job you just did on that song there. It's a wonderful song and um, an oldie but a goodie. And uh, I hope that song ministered to your heart this morning. And you may notice the last two songs dealt with the same topic. And that's what we're going to be looking at in the Bible today in Luke chapter 11. Two very brief announcements for you. Ladies, the new edition of the page is out there for the month of May on the table right outside the doors there. And uh, let me click my mic on here. Thank you. And uh, so what this is, my wife every month writes just uh, a newsletter kind of thing for our ladies of our church. So we'd like you to grab one of those on your way out. uh, She makes recommendations of music, books, podcasts, just some humor, different things like that. But then just a great article for our ladies there. So uh, make sure you pick it up, ladies. If we're out, then we'll get some more printed and uh, get those to you by Wednesday, okay? And then secondly... Uh, Our new theme, uh, you saw it earlier, the new color for our theme is up, and so you can go onto our website and download, if you didn't know this, every month you can download the different color theme uh, for our church theme for the year, Uh, and our theme is 24-7, living a Christ-centered life. And so why are we doing that? We're, We're trying to just month by month just keep something fresh in front of you to help you to remember to consider Christ all the time. 24-7, living a Christ-centered life. So it's just some things we're trying to do to to keep it in front of you and and, uh, and not forget what our theme is. I know I'm so guilty, Uh, even even before I was pastor, but even as pastor, of coming up with a theme for the year, and for like January and February, I'm all into it, and then by like March, I'm like, what was the theme again? I can remember my Wednesday evening theme for the book of Ecclesiastes, but what was the church? And we don't want to do that. Our theme for the year is keeping Christ in front of us, living a Christ-centered life, 24-7, being a Christian all the time. So let's not forget that, okay? I'll try to do a better job of reminding us about that. In your Bibles, Luke chapter 11, we're looking at the parable today. We're dealing with the parables of Jesus, and I'm going to call this parable the parable of the persistent friend, The persistent friend. We all have different types of friends in our lives, don't we? Growing up, you've had you had the friends that were pushovers, and you had friends that were the persistent friends, and they never let you forget something. We have four children, and they are four different, completely different human beings. They are not the same in any way. And uh, just recently, one of my younger kids was asking me, "Hey, Dad, I want to show you this thing I saw that was really funny that I laughed at." I said, yeah, maybe you know, we'll get to that some other time. I was busy at the time. And then he proceeded to about 15 more times that day remind me, hey, Dad, were we going to look at that thing? Hey, Dad, it, persistence, okay? That's, but uh, the persistent friend is what we're going to look at. And, and the topic for the parable today that we'll see <clears throat> is a topic of prayer. We sang just pray and take everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. But today's parable it is very, very practical teaching on prayer. And I want to help you today. Maybe some of you are newer to the, not the concept of prayer. You know what prayer is. But do you live the life of prayer? Do you have a consistent time of prayer with God? 
And I think sometimes we can be guilty when people are newer to church or newer to Christianity, or maybe you've just been coming for a long time, but, you, but you've never really uh, uh, had a faithful walk with God. Sometimes we can just assume that you know how to pray. And I don't want to assume that. I want to give you some practical teaching that Jesus himself is teaching his disciples about prayer. So I think this would be a great help to you and such an interesting parable. We're going to read Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, and listen as Jesus himself is teaching on a difficult topic. Uh, prayer, you say, well, why is prayer difficult? Prayer is easy and hard at the same time. Prayer is simple and confusing at the same time. And I have said many times, there are some mysteries to prayer that I just don't understand. But there is also a simplicity. So let's look at scripture here and see the whole story. Chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he, which is Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he stopped, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John John the Baptist, also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now he's going to start the parable. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a, man of, a, a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. Don't get me out of bed. What's wrong with you? It's midnight. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. Now, what's importunity? We're going to discuss that and define that in just a little bit here. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. So we've got this story here. We've got some teaching. Let's look at this parable, and hopefully we'll give you some stuff today that could change your prayer life. If your prayer life changes, your life changes, by the way. Let's pray together. Father, we ask now, as we enter into a, a, a lesson, a message here today on such a pivotal important topic for our faith, a basic topic, but something that is very basic to our faith, but it's so important. We ask you, Lord, today, as your disciples did, teach us to pray. Help us to see from Scripture what it is to pray, how to do it, how to be better at it, and uh, Lord, give us some wisdom and help today with where we're at. We love you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want you to look at these verses again. I want to show you several things. First of all, I want you to see the example of prayer. Verse number one, I want you to see the example of prayer. If you look at verse one again, and it came to pass as he was praying. This is Jesus praying. It always amazes me when Jesus prays. Because you say, why? He was God in the flesh. Now, the, we know the Trinity is the three in one, three distinct persons in one. We can't really explain that. It's beyond our understanding, just as eternity and infinity is. 
But we understand that God, the Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, and as he was here, he frequently, frequently went apart to a private place to pray with his Father, to pray. And why, why was he doing this here? Of course, he was praying, but also what a great example it was to his disciples. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jesus came to church today? Can you imagine if he walked and we knew who he was, and after we were bowing our knees to him and uh, praising him, if he came down to the front of the auditorium, to the altar, and if Jesus knelt down here and began to pray, what would you do? You know what I'd do? I would beat all of you there to the altar. I would be as fast as I could to get down and listen as Jesus prayed. Can you imagine Jesus praying for you by name? You know what? He does. The Bible says he's, he is ever living to make intercession for you. He is right now praying for you, for me. So, but can you, so the disciples are hearing God pray. Amazing, amazing. And, and, and the whole parable that we're about to see comes out of the disciples watching Jesus pray and then saying, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And so, by the way, let me just help you with this. John 17 is Jesus's. If you want to read a prayer that Jesus prayed, read John 17. This that we're looking at today, people call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's called the model prayer. The model prayer. And I'll tell you why in just a little bit. But what Jesus actually prayed to God is in John chapter 17. You can read that sometime if you want to. I would not recommend right now because we're in the middle of a message. But anyway, what a great example. I remember when I was in Bible college my freshman year, I was, I was newer to church, and, and I went to Bible college to train to be in the ministry. I felt that's what God wanted me to do. And I remember they had at, at the, uh, the, the church uh, uh, that, that you know, runs the college where I went to the seminary, the, the Bible college, um, I, I went to a prayer meeting that the church was having. Just members of the church. The church had over 3,000 people in it, a big church. And I remember I walked in there, and I just sat down towards the back, freshman college student, and the pastor came in, he's been here to preach many times, and he came in and he, uh, <clears throat> and he led uh, the whole congregation there, went through the prayer list like we do on Wednesday night. And then he said, all right, everybody, let's go to prayer. Here I am as a freshman sitting in the back, and he looks around and he goes, hey, uh, Eli. And I was like, there's got to be another Eli up in here somewhere, you know. How does he even know my name? I've been here two months. He's like, Eli, would you, would you mind praying with me today? I was like, would I mind? No, I'm, uh, you know, I was like, I'm not going to actually pray. I'm just going to listen to you. I was scared to death, you know. But I came down front. We knelt down, and, and, uh, and, and uh, he said, why don't you go first? Folks, I've been in church like two years. How many public prayers have you led? How about if I just start calling people out of the audience today? Come lead us in prayer. How would, how would you feel about that, all right? I'm going to name some of your names, all right? Now, some of you would be like, it's okay, I've done it before. Yeah, but I was, I was uh, 18 at the time going to Bible college, and the pastor said, why don't you lead us in prayer, brother? Go ahead. And I was like, no, thanks, you go ahead. And he's like, no, 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 you go ahead. I was like, no, no, thanks. You. No, he's like, go, go ahead and lead us in prayer. And he just closed his eyes and waits. And I prayed something. You say, you shouldn't have been afraid of praying in front of the pastor. You're right, I shouldn't have, but I was terrified. And I prayed, and then he prayed. And he, and he sat there, and, and, and he, he prayed for me, he prayed for my family, he prayed for all the things on the prayer list. And you know what I was doing the whole time? I was listening. 
Because I was thinking, I want to learn how to pray. And here's a man who spends hours with God every day. I want to learn how to pray. He sat me down and talked about my dad. My dad was lost and not saved at the time. He was asking me questions about that. He said, I'm going to pray for that. He put my dad's name in his Bible, began praying for my dad every day. I was like, now that's a pastor. That's pretty awesome right there. It was an example. Jesus is praying, and what an example. So the, look at verse, not only the example of prayer, but look at verse number two, the assumption of prayer. I always find this interesting in the Bible. Verse two says, and he said unto them, when ye pray, when ye pray. Notice Jesus in the Bible never says if you pray. It's always when you pray. Now, why is that? He's assuming that you will pray. All through the Bible, God assumes that you will pray. Why does he assume that? Because he told you to pray. Look, when I give my kids a command, Father has said, do this. If I walk away and come back, I expect the command to have been followed. That's reasonable. And when God throughout the Bible says, and men ought always to pray and not to faint, and that includes mankind, or he says, pray without ceasing, and all of these things, be careful for nothing, but in, in prayer and supplication, all of these things, all these times God has said, pray, he expects us to pray. So he says, no, when you pray, you say, well, I just, I'm not going to pray. I don't think anybody here is like that, but can I tell you, you'll go through a trial and then you'll feel like praying. That's how it's going to work. But God assumes that we will pray. We, we, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can be a people that talk so much about prayer but do it so little. Let's not be that way. Let's be people of prayer. Gethsemane Baptist Church should be a people of prayer. Our staff should be people of prayer. Our deacons should be people of prayer. And I believe that they are. We should be a people of prayer. God's assuming it. So we see the example. We see the assumption. But I want you to see thirdly here, the pattern. The pattern to prayer. The pattern to prayer. Look at verses 2 through 4. And, and, and stay with me on this because I'm going to give you a basic outline of how Jesus says to pray. So if you need to screenshot it here in a minute when it comes up, or whatever you need to do, I think this would be great as a help to you. Look at verses 2 through 4. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in, earth so, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, does that mean every time you pray, you have to say those words? No. Because there's other passages of Scripture where Jesus himself warns us of what is called vain repetition. What is vain repetition? It's empty words that you repeat over and over again, hoping that it has some type of magical meaning, kind of like a Hail Mary or an Our Father or something like that, where you're saying something over and over again and hoping that just because you say it over and over and over and over again, or you say it a set amount of times, that you know, you'll be blessed because of that. That's, that's never anything biblical. That is called, in the Bible, Jesus calls it vain repetition. You're just saying, it's like saying, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. I said it 20 times, so now God has to do it. We know that's not how it works. That's not how it works. There is a pattern to prayer. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And here is what Jesus said. It is called the model prayer. The model prayer. Not, not, 
not the, uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer, because this is not what Jesus prayed. It's the model prayer. It's what you should model your prayers after. Are you ready to dig in? Here we go. Look at it. Let's look at it quickly here. How are we supposed to pray? A very simple outline for prayer. Look at the first part. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's that first section dealing with there? I'm going to use the word adoration. Worship. Now, I'm going to give you all of it at once here on the screen because I didn't want to give you individual slides for each one. Adoration, worship. What do you do when you first come to God? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. When you come to God, you come to God first in praise. When you look at our Wednesday evening prayer list, on the first thing on our prayer list is praise. Why? Because when you come to God, you got to come thanking him for what he's already done. Why would God do more for you if you're not going to thank him for what he's already done for you? So spend some time in adoration, adoring your God, worshiping your God. So what do I thank? him for easy you thank him for who he is and you thank him for what he's done you thank him that that he hallowed be thy name what's that mean that means holy is your name that means uh, not only uh, holy the word hallowed means greatly revered that means very respected very praised I'm going to praise God's name I'm going to revere God's name I'm going to be thankful for God's name and I'm going to thank him for what he's done that is the first step of prayer adoring and worshiping God. Start your prayer that way. Adoration. Look at the next part here. It's already on the screen, but it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. So what's that mean, thy kingdom come? What we're talking about here with acceptance is you're accepting God's will for you. You're yielding what you want and accepting what God wants. What's he mean by thy kingdom come? Yes, we want God, we want your kingdom to be coming, and, 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 and we, you know, that's not just referencing heaven, but uh, we want that God. What's he saying there? It, what it basically is referring to is, is that God's kingdom should have a greater priority and prominence in your life than your personal interests. <clears throat> He's saying, put that first. That your interest in God's kingdom should, should be put over your personal interests. So as I go through my day today, instead of trying to advance the kingdom of Eli, I want to advance the kingdom of God. Instead of trying to have my personal interests as the only thing in front of my eyes today, no, I want to have what God wants for me in front of my eyes today. I want to be yielded and submitted to God's will. And if God says, go this way, I go that way. And if God says, hey, give that person invitation to church, I want to give that person invitation to church. If God says, don't say that, I don't want to say that. I want God's way. That's what that is talking about. You're putting God's priorities above your own. And then uh, the, the, the part there that says, thy will be done. You know, again, just yielding your will to God. I'm accepting, God, your will for my life today. You, you can't control what you'll face tomorrow. Uh, last Sunday, last Sunday I got up and I literally thought to myself, man, I hope nothing happens at church today. I don't mean nothing bad. But I meant because we had that car plow through our parking lot, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, the, uh, the, you'll see the gate there. The plywood is not just decoration, if you didn't know. And so I was like, man, I hope nothing like that happens again today. I literally thought that. 
And I jinxed myself. No, I'm just kidding. But I came to church, and I was walking in the church. I get here before everybody else, and except Brother Jerry. He gets here and cleans outside, and, but I, I'm here right after him. And then uh, I was in my office. I was walking back through the, uh, through the church, and I noticed our doors over here. And I thought it looked like, you know, there was like a film on the door. It looked like someone had ripped the film off. I was like, well, that is strange. And I came over there and looked closer, and no, I just have bad eyesight. The whole window had been broken and smashed in, the door. And so, you know, I put on, you know, my CSI glasses, you know, my crime scene investigator. And I was like, all right, I've seen some TV shows. I know how this works. And so I'm looking around, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it hit me. The glass was all on the inside. And so that told me nothing. I had no idea what it meant. But no, I'm kidding. It told me that it had come from the outside. You know, and there was no broken glass there, so no one had gotten in and walked through the glass. Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. All that college paid off with some very simple assumptions that I made. And, uh, but I looked outside, and there were nickels and dimes and rocks. You know what happened? I don't know who did it. I thought maybe someone was mad at my preaching, and I would just wish you'd take it out in a different way. But uh, they went outside our door there, probably at nighttime. It could be a kid. We've got homeless people sleeping around here. And we're throwing it at our, at our window, and it eventually broke. And that's why we have the beautiful uh, plywood uh, stuff over here as well. So we're just, trying to, we're just trying to match our whole church. So we're just going to go with the plywood look. It gives a very raw, natural feel. I think it's post, post, post-modern. And uh, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to get that going. For, uh, but anyway, you can never anticipate what something... You know, working in Long Beach, that's one thing I've learned. is like, you can just never guess what's going to happen next. I remember walking outside in our parking lot, there was a bag. And it was just a dead chicken in a bag. Head cut off. Feathers on. Feet sticking up. What'd you do? I ate it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was like, what do we have? Some kind of ritual sacrifice going on? What is this? You know? But I, I, I find it, I think God put me here because I find it humorous. Like, when things happen. I just laugh and think, what a story. You know? Other people be crying or something. I don't know. But um, I think I'm just crazy enough to actually enjoy it. But you can never guess what's going to happen. You can never see it coming. So what do you do? You say, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I want your will. I'm going to accept what you put in my path. Maybe God puts a person in your path that you're supposed to help. Maybe God puts a trial in your path that you're supposed to go through, but you're saying, God, your will be done. God, I want your will. I'm accepting that today. You, if you're going to go into your prayer life wanting your will to be done, and neglecting God's will, you're going to find that your prayer life stops at point number two. You're going to find that letter B is where your prayer life stops because God's not hearing anything else. Because you're saying, not thy will be done, but my will be done. And that's not how prayer works. Prayer is all about you getting on God's agenda and you getting on his will. So you start with adoration, and then secondly, you go to yielding. You submit, say, God, I'm accepting your will. Your kingdom is important to me today. And then thirdly, you, you ask. That's what the word pray means. It means to ask. And notice what he's asking for. Give us day by day, not month by month, year by year. It's a daily walk with God, a daily prayer time. Give us day by day our daily Bread. So day by day, our daily bread. So he, again, every day. What does that mean, our daily bread? You, know, you don't, probably don't have to worry about your cabinets being full tomorrow. 
You probably don't have to worry about, you know, what am I going to eat tomorrow? There are pastors in the Philippines that I hear about all the time. They'll go, they'll go serve in ministry all day, and then they'll go fishing. And they go fishing uh, uh, for most of the evening or afternoon, or maybe it's vice versa, to get food for their family for that day. We don't have to worry too much about that. We're a little spoiled. But what I'm saying is, you know, the day-by-day fruit is something that you need on a daily basis. So what is this saying? What should you be asking God for? First thing, you ask God to provide. Day-by-day, your daily needs. Ask God for your needs. Ask God for the needs of others. One of the great things about this parable that we're about to see is that the friend went to another friend on behalf of a friend. He was going and asking for something for somebody else. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry to cough right in the microphone there. But, but he's asking for God to provide. So when you go to God, you're saying, God, provide for my needs. God, provide for the needs of my family. God, my brother's going through an illness. Help him to feel better. God, my friend is going through some anxiety. Help him to get better. God, my, my, uh, you know, my, my sister's facing this. Help her. God, my spouse. Help the, my, my kids, my parents, my, my grandparents, my friends, my coworkers, whatever it is. You're asking God for to provide, but then it's also you're asking God to pardon. Look, if you would, the next verse, verse 4, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. There's, you better be cautious there. There's another way your prayers won't get answered if you're holding back forgiveness. I won't forgive. Someone hurt me, you know, 10 years ago, and I'll just never, ever forgive that person. You're harming you. And God says, if you, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, if you want forgiveness, you need to be willing to forgive. So you're asking God to pardon, to forgive. What is that at that time? You're confessing your sins to God. You're saying, God, here are the things I know I did wrong. Forgive me. I don't want them. Forgive me for doing those things. And God, forgive me for the things I don't even know I did wrong. Sometimes we can, we can break the law and not even know. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Search your heart. Make sure you have forgiven others. So we're adoring God. We're worshiping God. We're accepting his will. We're saying, God, your will be done, not my will be done. We're asking for God to provide for us. We're asking for God to pardon us. And we're asking God to protect us. Look at the last part there. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, these are old English words. We we, we would not say, and lead us not into temptation. We would say, and God, lead us away from temptation. That's how we would say it. That's the meaning of it, what it's saying there. Lead us, don't, don't lead us into it. Lead us away from it, God. Don't, don't let me be put in the path of temptation today. Help me to be wise enough to foresee it and forsake it. That, that's what he's saying there. Steer me away from temptation. We walk to church every day from our house. And I will tell you, every day of my life, you know what I'm watching out for? The people who let their dogs use the restroom all over the place. Say, Pastor, is there anything in your life that aggravates you? Yes. It's that. Because there is, there are, there's like, you know, the grass there. One of our neighbors has a tree that's about a billion sizes too big. And like, I, I walk to my house, and, and if I want to stay on the sidewalk, I have to do this number and to get under the tree. And I, literally, literally, I had to do that. And then, no big deal. They can do what they want to with their tree. I will duck under it. But then there's the people. And if you're one of these people, 
May the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits, okay? I'm telling you what today. But I'm telling you, but uh, as I go there, I'm always on the lookout. I'm always on the lookout for some booby traps in the weeds there, all right, from the dogs in our neighborhood. And then what do I do? I'm telling my kids, hey, whoa, 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 no, no, watch that. Kelly, our youngest, I'm always like, I'm so terrified, you know, as if it's going to be like a huge deal. But now you got to wipe it off in the grass. You know what I'm talking about. It's no fun. So what I'm doing is, when I take my daughter's hand, I'm leading her not into the path of destruction. <laughs> you know, I'm leading her away. And that's the idea of that passage. It's saying, God, would you, would you help me not to put myself in the path of temptation? God, steer me away from that. And then he says there, but deliver us from evil. So God, protect me today. Protect me from the devil who wants to destroy my life. Protect me from sin. Protect me from evil today. So maybe in your prayer life, if you've, if you've never started, if you've got a great prayer life, hey, I don't want to mess anything up, you keep going. But, but maybe this could be a great outline for you of saying, okay, this is simple. I start with praising God. Then I tell God that, hey, I want his will above mine. I'm going to listen to God. And then I'm going to ask God for something. I'm going to ask God to provide for me and my family whatever you may need. New job, new car, uh, whatever it is. A Ferrari for the pastor. Uh, you, no, no, I'm just kidding. Don't ask that. But um, I want a Lamborghini. Anyway, but uh, if you'll... I'm just kidding. But you're asking for God to provide, to pardon, to protect. Okay? So that is right there, I think, a great practical teaching for you in prayer. Now, I want to give you the last thing here. And this is where the whole parable comes to a head and where we see, lastly, the key to prayer. The key to prayer. And let's look at this, and we'll be done. This is where the parable comes in. Look at verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend... So he's, he's making up a story, a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And shall go unto him at midnight. That's a pretty inconvenient time. I don't know about you, but I like to be asleep around that time. But he says here, and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. What does he mean lend? It's not like he's going to give him back those loaves. He's going to eat them. But, you know, I, I need you. I'll, I'll get you back another time. You pay today, I'll pay next time, right? I got you next time. Forgot my wallet, you know, some people like that. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, now, what we need to understand is that Jewish culture was different than ours. For a person in the Middle East to not have food for a visitor was like an unbearable reproach. It's like unbearable, you, you know. There are many people from different cultures that I go to their houses and like, if I don't take food from them, they will harm me physically. You, you will eat this food. No, I'm good. You will have this food, you know, as a knife comes out. You know, because that is, a lot of cultures, that's how it is. You come to the house, you're going to eat food. And by the way, I think it's a wonderful idea. But anyway, uh, they, but that, that's the idea here is that I've got a friend come to my house and I don't have anything, and that's an unbearable reproach to me. But then verse uh, 7, and he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. What, what's he saying? It, it, come on, I'm already in bed. This, it'd be a hassle to get out of bed. My kids are sleeping. Trouble me not. The door is now shut. Hey, the opportunity for you to come over is gone, pal. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise. No, he's, I would not. 
actually, it's not I cannot, I would not, uh, arise and give thee. And then verse 8 says, notice this, this is so important. I say unto you that though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. <clears throat> so in other words, it's not friendship that's going to get that man out of bed. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So it wasn't the fact that, hey, my friend's here, I guess I'll help him out. It was the importunity. What's importunity? Here it is. It means persistence. It means boldness. It means shamelessness. What's that mean? Shameless audacity. Not being concerned with your dignity. Being concerned with just getting the answer. I think of the people that came to Jesus sometimes and they left their egos at the door. And they crawled to Jesus on hands and knees. They believed they were shameless in that regard. They said, I don't care about my dignity. I'm going to come and just try to touch the hem of his garment. I don't care about my dignity. Uh, I'll tell the Lord, hey, be merciful to me, and, and uh, I'll eat the crumbs of the table which fall off, you know, uh, whatever it may be. They, they were persistent, and they were bold. So what is this verse teaching us? Here is the key. Here is the key of the whole parable. The key to prayer, and there's several big keys to prayer, like faith and yielding to God, but here's a big one. Persistence. Perseverance is a key to prayer. Persistence. In other words, being unfazed or undiscouraged by delayed answers. God doesn't answer my prayer right when I think he should. God doesn't give me guidance right when I think he should. God doesn't do this for me right when I think he should. What does persistence say? Persistence says, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep praying. Because I know that Mary and Martha sure thought God was late when Lazarus died, but Jesus showed up and did something they didn't think possible and called him back from the grave. And if Jesus can raise the dead, but, and he can meet my deadlines, and if my deadlines pass, he can still do something miraculous. That's God. He can do that. So we're coming to God, and we're persistently believing him. You know what persistence shows? Persistence shows faith. I still believe God. I still believe he can do it. That's persistence. Look at verses 9 and 10. It says here, and great verses on prayer. <clears throat> I send you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. You know what seeking and, and knocking require? Persistence. Persistence. Here's a guy knocking on his friend's door. Hey, I need some bread. Go away. Man, I got a friend coming over. Give me some bread. I'm in bed already. It's midnight. What's wrong with you? I need bread. I need bread. I need bread. <clears throat> All right, take your bread. Get out. Well, he didn't get up because it was his friend. He got up because there was a persistent knocking on the door. Persistence. Now, I want you to be very careful. Here's the warning. Here's the warning about this passage. The temptation of interpreting this passage is to believe that the parable is saying that God is like the, the third friend in bed, you know, with the children or whatever, that God is like that, and that you can basically just pester God until you get what you want. No. No. That's not the interpretation of the parable. Let me help you with this. 
<clears throat> Here's what the parable is saying. Here is a man who is only an acquaintance, a friend, who sleeps, who, who can be bothered, who doesn't want to give his friend anything at the moment because it would inconvenience him, and who only gives out of fear of being pestered more. That's the friend. But yet, that friend gave. And so, it's, it's setting God in opposition to this. He's saying, if that friend gives, the friend that sleeps, the friend that can be bothered, the friend that's only giving to you because he doesn't want you to pester him anymore, if that friend will give you gifts by persistent asking, surely your heavenly father will. Surely the God who's not just your friend, but he's your father. The God who never sleeps. The God who is never bothered by your prayers. He's a God who wants to give us things. And a God who, who gives us not just what we want, but what we need. And surely if this earthly friend would give to his friend, then surely your heavenly father would give to you. Surely he never sleeps. You're not bothering him. You can't pester him into giving you something. If he knows you don't need it, he's going to give you uh, what you need. And if that friend will do it, surely God will do it. And in fact, the next parable says that in verses 11 uh, through, uh, through 13 there. It, it, verse 13, if ye be, be, then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So he, that's the verse. That's what it's saying. Look, if the sleeping friend will answer a request, surely the unsleeping Father God can and will answer your request as well. So you say, well, Pastor, what's the thought today for the message? What do you do when you hit a wall in prayer? You keep praying. What do you do when God doesn't seem to be answering you? You keep praying. What do you do when you're tempted to ask why or to quit? You keep believing and you keep praying. <clears throat> Life is falling apart, pastor. Then be persistent in prayer. My marriage is falling apart. Then be persistent in prayer. Work <clears throat> is falling apart. Then be persistent in prayer. My relationships with my kids are falling apart. Then be persistent in prayer. Hey, I'm falling apart. Then be persistent in prayer. You go to God and you keep going back and you keep going back and you keep going back. It's a faith thing. You keep going back. God may not fix everything in your life just like that, but he may. But he may give you resources. He may grow you. He may build you. And he's absolutely going to do that. What do I do, Pastor? What do I do? I'm just not feeling connected to God. You keep praying. I'm just not feeling like I'm getting the answers. You keep praying. You be persistent. Persistence is key to prayer. Persistence is key. Now, you may find as you're praying that God changes your prayer request. You may find as you're praying that God doesn't give you what you asked for, and then later on you see, oh, I'm so glad he didn't because that would have ruined everything. But you keep going to God, believing that he is Believing that he exists, believing that he's there, believing that he's listening, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Be persistent. Keep going again and again and again. I close with this story. My, my daughter, Kelly, our youngest, several nights ago was sick and uh, just not feeling well. Sounded like she had a little cold or something. And um, so we put her to bed. I stayed up a little bit later. 
And so I, I was the last one awake. So when I came to bed, I knew Kelly wasn't feeling well. So you know what I was doing? Instead of sleeping, now I wasn't even praying, to be honest with you. I had prayed for my daughter. I was listening. Parents, you ever have that when your kid's sick? The dads are all like, nope, and went right to sleep. But your ears are in tune. I knew that if she woke up, it was, it was my responsibility. So I'm lying in bed, trying to sleep, and then I would hear the smallest sound, and I'm like, is that her? Is that her? she crying? she coughing? she sick? Go back to sleep. Here's something else. What is that? What is that? I mean, on and on it went. So what am I saying about that? Any cry, any whimper, any request, I was jumping towards. Let me ask you a question. Do we think less of God as a parent than we do of ourselves? You think God's a worse parent than you? No, God's a better parent. He's the perfect parent. And if me as a non-perfect parent is listening for my kids cry, don't you think your heavenly father knows what you need? Don't you think he knows before you even ask, the Bible says? Don't you think when you come to him and you ask him that he's listening, that he's ready to hear? I absolutely think so. I wonder today, is there an area where you've been tempted to give up on prayer? Do you have a faithful time with God where you're with God every day? Will you take a prayer list like we just saw? Will you incorporate it into your life? And will you persistently just go before God day by day? Sometimes on the behalf of others. Sometimes on your own behalf. But can I remind you of some lyrics we sang today? Don't ever give up, just pray. How about this one? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We're singing it. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Be persistent in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come before the throne of grace boldly. God, I thank you that when we have needs, we